This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 351 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Eden Tessic's maiden voyage as BVB's head coach and we will preview Friday's game, yes, Friday's game, against 6th place Union Berlin for all that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? It's uh, nice to have you on this soon again. Yeah, it's great to be back again so soon. Um, I am doing well, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing fairly well myself, uh, since apparently I'm being asked how, how you're doing equals an, a weather update, and I am happy to report it snowed in Philadelphia. So for the first time in two years, yay, <laughs> still get a winter, it seems. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, not too many things did change, other than, of course, the Dortmund uh, jumped to fourth place in the Bundesliga, beating Werder Bremen 2-1, thanks to goals scored by Rafael Guerrero and Marco Reus, as Wolfsburg lost their unbeaten streak at the Allianz Arena, which enabled Dortmund to reclaim uh, a Champions League spot in the table. So, Matthias, uh, obviously the uh, Bremen game was uh, highly anticipated due to uh, the fact that there was a different guy on the sideline, even though it was the same guy uh, who had been on the sideline beforehand, just uh, three seats further down, let's say. So, um, what did you make of uh, this setup and the game? I think he, uh, Tessic reverted back to the 4-2-3-1 and uh, we had Yusufa Mokoko starting from the beginning for the first time in his still very young career. Yeah, I mean, obviously this was the match. Uh, I made sure I'm like, oh no, I gotta go. It's 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 starting live. Uh, real life has to pause because obviously everybody kind of wanted to see what's Dortmund going to be like, what's going to be the reaction, uh, who's this Eden uh, Terzic tactically. And, um, you know, it's interesting to go with Mukoko from the beginning. I don't necessarily think it was the right match for that. Uh, just like I don't think Union Berlin would be either, just because you're dealing with very, let's say, savvy defenders. And Mukoko, for the most part, was, um, let's just say he didn't have a great match, but that's also partly because he, you know, he was like 10 centimeters too short twice. <laughs> uh, otherwise, um, you know, uh, Holland would have scored two of those chances just because he's taller. His frame is longer. So, um, he got into the right positions. I thought he did okay. Um, but uh, overall, I thought it was good. I mean, it was a win. It was, I, I think you tweeted out, Arbeitssieg. Yes. Um, and that's what you kind of, you know, these midweek matches in December, they're almost never, COVID or no COVID year, almost never things of beauty, but rather things of necessity to kind of get through. Uh, always think about those kind of this time of year, DFB Pokal ties of Bundesliga teams. It's it's never pretty. It's never the most amazing football spectacle. But 
Dortmund got the three points. They showed some energy early. Um, that energy kind of went away. At uh, least it's quicker something. than I would have hoped for. <laughs> um, but that also has to do with just being tired. You know, I mean, they just got their asses handed to them. Um, and are, you know, they're playing every three or four days or every two days, I guess it seems. Um, but overall, it was good. Tezic, I think, did okay. Um, he used four of five substitutions, so we still don't have a Dortmund manager who uses all subs. <laughs> um, but I mean, that may also just be down to who's available and what the situation dictates when you look at the fact that three of his four substitutions were made in the final 10 minutes. Um, that, okay, fine. Should have been sooner, maybe. <laughs> Should have been sooner. Uh, just to, to get some people off the pitch that should have been off the pitch maybe a little bit sooner. But, you know, overall, I can't complain about it. Three points is what was needed and against a difficult opponent. Uh, Dortmund delivered the three points, albeit not the prettiest fashion, but that's okay. I'd rather occasionally have an unpretty win than an unpretty loss. Yeah, I mean, I said at pre-pod, uh, I do believe that it would have been highly likely that Dortmund had won this game, even with Lucy Favre on the sideline, just because uh, if you are Borussia Dortmund and you get shellacked 5-1, to one, then uh, you will show a reaction one way or the other. So um, I sort of expected this to happen, but uh, regardless, it's a, it's a good start for Tessic, and obviously um, I do not expect Dortmund to play uh, a, a high-press high pressing or high energy style at all right now to be honest just because uh, I I look at almost every other club in the Bundesliga maybe barring Leverkusen uh, even Leipzig and, and Gladbach are struggling and Bayern of course are also uh, clawing back from uh, you know uh, conceding the first goal I think six consecutive times Bayern had to eat the 1-0 the now so um yeah this is this is not going to be pretty months and uh, due to the lack of a winter break and uh, hardly any regeneration and, and uh, regeneration and recuperation <laughs> I don't expect this to change at all uh, after the turn of the year so um yeah it's it is what it is basically but um there were a couple of differences for example Dortmund scored for the first time within the opening half hour of a Bundesliga game this season, which is crazy, right? Um, yeah, but Rafael Guerrero scoring in the 12th minute um, was uh, was a good goal. Uh, I liked the way that Dortmund scored it. Um, in the end, maybe a bit un unlucky in the way that they had a deflection and then uh, Guerrero sort of, uh, yeah, scored on a rebound. But uh, the way they built the goal, I think, was uh, pretty nifty. Jane Sancho with a square pass and the... Uh, the way he was fed that ball was uh, pretty good, so um, yeah, I'm 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 fairly happy with uh, how Dortmund uh, managed to to open Bremen up. And uh, I mean, if you look at the expected goals, Bremen had 0.2 over uh, the entire time. So um, yeah, uh, that they scored with this one chance that they had basically was a bit frustrating and sort of um, threw them back a bit. And uh, Martin Rafeld, he recently said. Uh, something that really stuck with me, he said, uh, under pressure, you become your habits. And I think after Kevin Möwald scored the equalizer, we really saw uh, Dortmund really reverting to that uh, old Favre system of, of being more passive, right? 
Yeah, it was um it was a little weird. Like it was like a, a switch went on at the beginning and there was energy and pressing and intensity and everybody was like, Oh my god, it's club again. Um <laughs> and then it didn't. Um I mean it 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 slowed down immensely. Part part of that might also be just down to the opposition, of course, making things a little bit harder, even though I thought Bremen was pretty I don't know. I'm not going to say passive, but nah, you know, I mean, they just, they didn't do a ton, in my opinion. Uh, nothing memorable for sure, aside from a, an amazing shot from Muvalt, which you just have to say, that was just an amazing shot. Um, which Bremen somehow always get against Dortmund. I mean, at least it wasn't bitten quit this time. Um, but it, it slowed down, and in the second half, there was... And also, the match commentary. I mean, Ovo Moyela, which... Can we stop having Ovo Moyela comment on Dortmund-Bremen matches? This I think this is one of the f- few times where it's gone well for Dortmund. But you could tell he was getting frustrated, actually, on the commentary with... Well, you know, it's kind of slow, it's side to side. Once Dortmund picked up the tempo, they created chances. And what was interesting, as a side note, usually the match is off, out, you know, done. I turn off ESPN. I didn't this time because I got a text message and checked <laughs> it. The audio was still running on the commentary, and you heard Ovomoyela just go. I mean, he didn't say anything, but it was like, poof. I mean, you could just tell. He was like, oh my god, that was not amazing and you could just tell he was frustrated and would have hoped for more continued energy at least for longer than we we saw uh and it kind of reflected the match it was abite zeke and it was also abite's commentary in that sense so <laughs> i thought that was kind of interesting i was waiting i'm like is he gonna say something is somebody gonna say something like really stupid on air <laughs> didn't um but that that kind of sums it up. Um, I, I feel like there were a lot of players. There were some players that were really on their game, and some they were just non-existent. I mean, Marco Royce was in the first half. I was very critical of him, but he picked it up a lot in the second half. Bellingham, I thought I forgot he was on the pitch for most of the time. Uh, Jaden Sancho was ineffective most of the time and Mateos Moray in my opinion was uh kind of a defensive liability most of the time so I don't know if if I'm being too harsh Stefan how did you see those guys no I think you're not too harsh I think Moray uh also in in the game against Schuttgart and and the game before that he he looks very shaky at the back um I don't I don't know if there's another way to put it than that uh which is obviously sad because if we remember um when uh I think what uh, was it against Red Bull when he had a really uh, fantastic game, um, but yeah, uh, I mean he's 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 still a very young defender, so I would cut him some slack in that regard. Um, but yeah, he obviously needs to come up with something better. Um, and uh, as for Jaden Sancho, I think Eden Terzic uh, said today at the news conference that uh, it was very close for him to, for the uh, proverbial not to burst. However, um, yeah, I mean, he's got this offside goal. But um, what I found more interesting is that, that Terzic talked about, uh, you know, getting Royce and, and Sancho back to form is, is also mostly about reminding them that uh, 
uh, of of sort of the place and and the the things that did work for them in the past and to what he said it's uh you know it's about reminding the players what we did uh, what did work for them in the past for example that you don't stop the ball first but immediately take a positive touch either in forward direction or a pass but it's also about making sure they have players in the area to play an immediate one too and i thought it was very interesting because um that really does sort of nail it down because how many times have uh, Dortmund players slowed plays down them, themselves just uh, because they took another unnecessary touch? I feel like uh, Dortmund have been the uh, world champion in unnecessary touches in uh, in in recent months. And uh, I don't know if that's a Favre thing or not, where you sort of take a security touch or whatever in order to not lose the ball, but actually you make life harder on yourself just because it it allows opponents more time to close you down and everyone around you. So um, I think there are some tactical solutions to it, but obviously players need to um, play with a bit more risk. And I, I think we, we saw that already. And uh, I mean, Dortmund right now are giving the ball away as is. You know, the the number is pretty high. I think on Adam Dorowski's Twitter, you can read all about it, how... Uh, Dortmund, uh, the amount of, of passes they had intercepted by opponents just went from like 5 to 8 to 20 now and I think it was 19 or 20 again against Bremen so um, it's it's good that at least Dortmund uh, increased the risk a tiny bit and I think uh, there is some reward in that because if you play like you do against Stuttgart where you uh, play quote unquote risky in, uh, in uh, spaces where you don't you know you're not gonna gain any yield anyway, so um, yeah, I I think that's that's the the main positive that Dortmund are going to be a bit more direct again, and uh, I I have to say in many phases this game was maybe shockingly open, but uh, for Dortmund this can also be a positive since uh, they do transition well. Uh, from time to time they didn't do so much uh, against Bremen but uh, in theory they do so uh, if the game is a bit more chaotic uh, I think Dortmund can actually uh, also gain something from that instead of just playing against a uh, 10-man defense or so so um, yeah I, I think Bremen tactically didn't uh, do too many things to really uh, stifle Dortmund and I have to say that uh, the lack of pace in Bremen's attack uh yeah, really also didn't help. You could see the contrast to what a team Stuttgart is and what the team Bremen is. So um, we, we just need to keep this in context. There was a struggle against 13 or 14th Bremen now uh, who are not really good and who haven't won at home in a very long time. So um, while these are obviously nice and much needed three points, uh, you know, this wasn't the quote-unquote Befreiungsschlag, as you would say, where, uh, you know, Dortmund just flicked the switch and everything is is good again. So, um, and especially, Matthias, when we talk about the differences between Terzic and Favre, maybe one similarity after the penalty was scored uh, immediately was Emrejan on for uh, Mukoko, and then uh, I think uh, we, we saw Piszczek and then later, obviously, um, uh, Zagadou for Hummels, because Hummels had cramps, I think. Uh, so that really tells you that immediately I, I felt like as as soon as uh, Dortmund went ahead, the signal from the sideline was, we're going to sit on this scoreline now. And then uh, for, for a couple of minutes uh, leading into stoppage time, I felt that uh, Dortmund were sort of inviting too much pressure again, which was a symptom or or something they had last season very often and something they, they didn't do. 
uh, in a long time under Favre once they had the lead. So uh, this this was uh, maybe cause for concern there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was, um, I think it was described as a, a power play from Bremen for quite a while there in the second half. And I am always opposed to those type of tactics because eventually, I mean, it didn't happen this time, but I feel like it's one of those, how best to describe this? Probably, uh, you know, I watched Tottenham against Liverpool. And for the longest time, they were sitting on that 1-1, Liverpool go ahead near the end, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we got to do something. And then time runs out, and it's so hard to switch over and all of a sudden be proactive rather than reactive. And so I don't like that. And I really don't like it when you are clearly the better side. I mean, uh, from a quality of player standpoint, it's it's... And not a comparison. Dortmund are on paper a better side than Bremen. Granted, on paper, they're also better than Stuttgart. <laughs> and that didn't really pan out that well. Um, so it was a little bit, it was a little nervy. But at the end of the day, they got what they needed. Bremen really didn't create many situations where I'm like, oh, oh here we go. This could be it. Um, if anything, Dortmund occasionally especially in build-up play kind of in transition just before the halfway uh before uh mid middle of the pitch they would lose the ball and and far too often is Carrero you know and that for me that's why I don't like uh the grades that Kika give out because it's kind of like oh he scored a goal so he must have a great grade I think Guerrero um has become a defensive liability uh, in many situations, he's almost too nonchalant. Uh, tried to play a few one twos again with Gio Reyna, uh, deep in Dortmund's own third, and that's just you don't do that. I'm sorry, you that's suicide. And if you didn't learn that against Stuttgart, you're just lucky that Bremen are relatively inept right now in many many aspects. So. Uh, that kind of stuff needs to go away, um, and I, it's it's something that needs to be discussed. I mean, should Guerrero? I mean, here's a different question. It has nothing to do with this match, Stefan, but I'm very curious. Should should there be a thought of moving Guerrero to a central midfield position like he played under Thomas Tuchel and having a more out and out fullback? At the left back position. Well, I mean, you can make the argument in in the the way that uh, you look at Julian Brandt and the defensive liability that he is at the moment when he is playing as a number eight. You look at Jude Bellingham who plays a number eight, but his creative output uh, is not really there in in the form that uh, his forward and uh, forward passes and his uh, chance creating actions are just not really significant. That would warrant this sort of position for him right now i'll I'll, I'll be brutally honest i mean the kid is 17 but um you know uh dortmund do need to qualify for the champions league and uh you know there's a certain benchmark so um if guerrero uh can play a little better sure but uh, at the same time i would say uh instead just maybe uh play the hood there and uh I I agree and disagree with you at the same time about the uh, one twos uh, in the in your own third, because um, I think 
in the current situation, you're completely right, it is suicide. But in general, I would actually welcome it that Dortmund managed to combine their way out of the their own third and, and further up the pitch, sort of theoretically. That's exactly how you want it to go. Um, but uh, when, uh, when in recent times, <laughs> uh, exactly these kinds of passes have led to disaster, maybe avoid it. So, um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I also think that Giro just needs a freaking break, to be honest, because he's sort of touch and go with injury right now. He had a couple of muscular problems. When he returned, he was immediately playing again just because he's way too important for Dortmund. Uh, and you, you just can't discount the, the upside that he has. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a bit of a conundrum right now, but that's uh, the problem in in late December and uh, going into January and February that, uh, you know, you will have a lot of tired players that uh, are important. But uh, yeah, I think you need to flick on that rotation machine uh, one way or another. Uh, I don't know if, if you'll do that uh, at Union Berlin, considering... Uh, this game is sort of the last game of the year, uh, you know, the cup game. I think Dortmund can also maybe win with a 1B or, or 2 squad, something like that. But uh, yeah, Matthias, before we talk really about the uh, Union game, I know you were, you taught me you were a bit tired and low on energy and low on nutrition right now. So I don't know if you can get a, if I can get a good rent out of you, but uh how did it happen that uh, Dortmund play back-to-back away games as a European team uh, on Tuesday and Friday in an English week? How did the DFL come up with that great idea? You know, I asked myself that same question. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that Dortmund is playing away against two teams that don't have the same fixture congestion of that as them, if this was against two other Champions League and Europa League teams... I honestly, I'd probably be a little bit less annoyed. Um, you know, if this was a Gladbach, I don't know who else is internet, you know, Gladbach Hoffenheim situation, I'd have been like, okay, everyone's on the same level of tired. Um, but you already saw it against Stuttgart. Stuttgart played high energy, aggressive the entire match because guess what? They're playing once a week and that just gives you so much more time to rest, recover and prepare. Those are three things that Dortmund just don't have. And I don't understand why they set a Friday match in an English week anyway, regardless of who's playing. But then on top of that, you have Dortmund, who has with, you know, with all the European teams, just the most matches. You could say the only one that has... Well, they don't have more. They have the same amount because they both played in the Super Cup is Bayern. Um, and then you also talk about the amount of players that have to play internationally that didn't really get a break. Um, it's, you know, they talk a good game about player safety and health. Um, but then they don't really do anything about it in situations like this. I mean... You knew what the season's going to be. It's no news that we have a pandemic in an English week. Just don't set a Friday match. Just don't, no matter which team you're looking at. But then if you do, not to sound brutally elitist, but pick teams that played on Tuesday that don't play in Europe. That 
I mean, that would be the solution yeah, if you desperately the, need that Friday night. Make it the classic throwaway Friday night game that it so often is anyway, where you like watch Hertha against Mainz or some bullshit, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean that that it still wouldn't have been great for those teams. Don't get me wrong. I I think you just don't need to do that in an English week, and oftentimes they don't. I mean, they don't necessarily have a Friday match after a packed international break. So why to do it now when it's your own league and your own competition that's dealing with it with your own clubs? Um, it's it's rather it doesn't it doesn't look good uh, to say the least. I think it should have been avoided at all costs. Um, you know, if we we look at, you know, who else is playing. I mean, you look at who's playing on the Sunday. Freiburg and Hertha and Wolfsburg and Stuttgart. I mean, why are they playing on a Sunday? But then, you know, Dortmund have to play on a Friday. And the bulk of all the other international competition teams are playing on a Saturday. I mean, it's just, it's just, it doesn't make sense in my opinion. It, it, it's horrendous scheduling from the DFL. And what you're asking for is even more injuries and fatigue. This plays fully into Union Berlin's hands who don't even have to travel. Don't, I mean, they, they Dortmund players have to go to Berlin. Berlin, Dortmund, that's not 20 minutes away. <laughs> you know, you got to take a few hours to get there. And so you're losing more rec recovery time in the sense of how a physio recovers you, not how you and I recover on the sofa, but how athletes need to recover. Oh, it's not the same thing, Matthias. So I, I, no, I thought no, I recover sorry. like any other professional when I just it, spread out I know, on the sofa. I know you're a supreme physical specimen <laughs> um, athletically, so you're probably the exception to the rule. Speaking for myself as a um, slightly older, not old, even now, Neo, you even have me saying Just that. accept your role um, as on the yellow wall pod. Just, just the old give man. in. <laughs> the old guy who keeps on yelling, get off my lawn. <laughs> well, DFL, get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice episode title. <laughs> <laughs> get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> Comma DFL, yeah. Why not? Um yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. We'll, we we might get a, a explicit tag though. Um, anywho, um, so yeah. Uh, speaking of injuries, though, uh, some good news. Uh, Thomas Muni and Thomas Delaney are uh, both fit and have traveled with the team. I think uh, the uh, victims of them uh, recovering from injury both is that uh, Felix Paslak and uh, Heinier have been dropped and didn't travel to Berlin uh, and uh, it's it's kind of nice uh, when uh, players need to take the plane that uh, they are sort of forced to go through the airport and then uh, my good old colleague Florian Gröger and who and anyone else uh, staking out at the airport they can just count who is there and who isn't so <laughs> that makes it the uh, reporting always rather easy and very solid uh, especially if you live in Holzwickede or Una in that area. But uh, I digress. So, um, yeah, Matthias uh, Thomas Eleni, uh has been an important part uh, before his injury. I thought he was in a very good form. And obviously, uh, Thomas Meunier, uh, as as you will know, uh, the uh, things turned sour when obviously he was subbed out against Cologne. That's when uh, Dortmund uh, conceded that set piece. So um, you've already designated 
Moray as a liability. So do you slot both these players back in right away? Or uh, what does Matthias Zug do with, uh, I don't know, three days and one, one and a half of recuperation really uh, to prepare for this match between Bremen and Union? Well, I mean, I, you should at least strongly consider playing Schulz and Paslak at the fullback position. Well, Paslak isn't there. Uh, sorry. Um, well, honestly, I may even consider Emre Can um, at this point, just because Moray may be a good kid. I'm not convinced of him in this type of form and run that someone who would then be so exposed would be the right one. And can he stop cutting in? I mean, for the love of God, <laughs> sometimes maybe stay a little wider. I, I thought he had, your team I a actually, little bit away. I actually thought with, his decision-making in the final third wasn't that bad. I thought he had a couple good crosses. I'm not I'm not talking the final third. I'm talking like the middle of the oh, pitch. It's like, oh, I'm going to cut in now, lose the ball, and now you've got a problem. <laughs> and I just feel Union Berlin's the kind of club that will just take a lot of advantage of him. Um, I don't know about Piszczek. I mean, maybe you could even start with Piszczek at right back um, and kind of see how it goes uh, because he may get beaten for pace uh, on occasion, but he won't get pe beaten for positioning and experience, which is obviously something that Moray is lacking. So I, I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't start Guerrero, to be honest. Uh, I would also... If you have the option, not start um, Jaden Sancho as well. Uh, I think, I mean, a lot of players just need rest, okay? But then you have to also look at it as who who would maybe benefit from coming off the bench and being that change up. I mean, if you bring Jaden Sancho off the bench, that completely changes the dynamic. And so that that's probably a direction I would lean personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I also don't know if I would start Marco Royce again, uh, just because, uh, I mean, he was arguably maybe even the man of the match against Bremen. And I think, I don't know if we highlighted that enough, that uh, at least uh, his his sort of fight that we saw from Royce was uh, maybe one of the biggest positives coming out of this Bremen game. And of course, Marco Royce scoring uh, against his favorite club, um I think he has 15 goals now against Bremen, which is more than he scored in, uh, against any other team. So um, you sort of expected him to to score and, and nick one away. And uh, overall, I thought he had a really good game, uh, you know, considered his, his overall form considered. So at least uh, Dortmund uh, uh, and with the help of Marco Roy sort of forced this win. Uh, but I don't know if I would start him uh Uh, at Union Berlin, I'm I'm not entirely sure who I would even start because I feel like almost e everyone needs a rest. I could even think about not starting Hummels, and uh, you know, because what if he tears his uh, whatever, he gets a muscle tear, so then he is out f uh, for the game against Wolfsburg and the, the games after that, just because uh, you know Dortmund will play in a couple of weeks again. So um, yeah. Difficult one. It's, it's a real head scratcher for me. Sorry for me this time because uh, there are more players I want to take out than I have to bring in, if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, I think Torgen Hazard should be an automatic starter. I would also bring Delaney on for Witzel. Uh, 
to change it up and uh, pair him up with Behut. So I would have an entirely different double pivot because uh, neither Witzel nor Bellingham have uh, really impressed me in recent weeks. So I think that can go. Um, then I would uh, revert back to uh, Meunier actually as a as right back, even though he has been under a lot of criticism. Uh, I would then probably leave the backline Akanji and Hummels as is and... Uh, I don't know if I want to start with Nico Schulz. Guerrero has been amazing in, in too many different ways. But uh, I, th I think you're right. Maybe give him a rest and, and put him in there. And then uh, up front, yeah, I guess uh, I would stick with Mukuku, even though you said earlier you wouldn't. Uh, I, I still think that uh, having him as a as a striker and making these runs, even if he uh, is still a bit clumsy when it comes to finishing, I think uh, that's important because he does that actually better than... Uh, all the other midfielders that sort of had to uh, slot into that position in the wake of Haaland. So I would actually just keep him there. And then as a number 10, I would play Julian Brandt. And uh, left and right, uh, probably Hazard and Reyna, as, as I said. That would be sort of my lineup. It's not the prettiest. It's not the, uh, the, the most technically advanced that Dortmund have. And... Uh, it's going to be a struggle one way or another because uh, I did watch Union play against Bayern and boy, they should have just, I don't know, beaten Bayern 4-1, 5-1, also something along these lines. Uh, it was a one-all draw in the end, but uh, Union Berlin really had so many chances uh, to put this game away that uh, it's it's just actually surprising uh, how, how they uh, screwed that one up. So this, I guess, will be Dortmund's hope that uh, Union Berlin are just as incapable against Dortmund as they were against uh, Bayern. But the problem is obviously uh, that Bayern do have Manuel Neuer in goal and Dortmund do have Roman Bürki in goal. And uh, while Roman Bürki is an okayish goalkeeper, a good one, uh, Manuel Neuer uh, just makes saves that really do save a, a lot of points these days. I mean, uh, if you've seen the saves he made against uh, Wolfsburg, it's just ridiculous. And obviously... Uh, in the way he plays the sweeper keeper and that uh, also you know kills off a lot of counterattacks that Dortmund do not kill off in that same way so uh, all of these things considered um i've i've a pit in my stomach going into this tie um matthias we also need to look quickly at the injuries and and suspensions that uh, union have most prominently obviously max kruse who was out with a muscular injury uh also, Anthony Uja isn't there. Uh, Robert Andrich is out suspended. I uh, think Ingwertsen, uh, Hübner and, and Endo are all doubtful. Uh, and obviously, Poyampalo. So, uh, and, and Nico Schlotterbeck, I, I shouldn't forget. Um, so, this is also quite a list of injuries they have. But uh, if you've seen them play this uh, year at all, what does, what, what makes this Union Berlin tick and why is the quote-unquote second year where uh, supposed relegation-threatened teams are, or promoted sites are supposed to struggle, why uh, did they actually improve and are in sixth place right now with uh, 18 points, four wins, six draws, and two losses? Well, aside from Max Kruse, um, you know, Urs Fischer kind of looked at it, and I feel like, obviously I don't have this confirmed, but they're playing a little bit differently. Um, it's not just a hang on and hope and set pieces and we'll kind of see if we can Darmstadt this thing because obviously Darmstadt in the second season went down. Union Berlin are on course for Europe, uh, which would be great for them and 
really funny for Atta. Um, but they, they've adapted the way they play. They've changed to become also not just a reactive side, but since they have that in their back pocket, they know how to play that way. That's what makes them so difficult. I mean, if you think about it, look, look at Dortmund as a juxtaposition. Um, if they would be used to playing on the front foot and being proactive, if all of a sudden they have to try to defend and hold on to a lead, it can get kind of hairy. Or if they're sitting back and all of a sudden have to be proactive after being reactive or just unactive, inactive, that would actually be English, <laughs> um, they, they just can't do it. Union Berlin, given that their background of being a more solid defensive side, can then flip a switch and be more attacking. Um, and vice versa. So all credit to was Fischer for that. I mean, um, I didn't think that this would be the Union Berlin we have to see now. Obviously, there's still a lot of match days left, and they could completely fall apart uh, if certain players get injured. But I've been positively surprised by them. I remember uh, early on watching them against Augsburg, and uh, thinking, you know, Augsburg got lucky in that match which they did, after which they beat Dortmund. So, you know, haha. But Union Berlin were the better side. They created chances. They're not slow. They're not plotting. They're not banking on set pieces. So they're not Schalke. They're a good team. And I feel like it's... I said this off air when Adam was on. And, I, you know, and you guys said, oh, Stuttgart worries me. And I'm like, no, I'm not that worried about them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I anyway, um, my bigger concern was this match against Union Berlin. And I stand by it. I think I don't think Dortmund's going to win this one, to be brutally honest. Um, I don't know if they're going to lose it. So basically what I'm saying is they're going to draw. But this is this is kind of that proverbial. I looked at it and went, that's the trap game. That's the one that could screw Favre. That was not entirely true, (laughs) but I still stand by that this is going to be a very difficult match for many, many reasons. Also because uh, I believe Union Berlin are set up in a way that they can not just cause Dortmund problems, but actually defeat Dortmund. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they could hit Dortmund on the counterattack with uh, Taivo Avuni, who has been uh, quite uh, prolific in these situations. I mean, against Bayern, he probably should have scored like three goals. And obviously, Dortmund still remember Marius Bülter rather well. And uh, Cedric Teuchert is also, uh, you know, good German talent, I would say. He's also quick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are there, there are some good players in there. You know, it's... You know, you, you, you think of Union Berlin and think, um, maybe they have like the, I don't know, 15th best squad in the Bundesliga. But uh, actually, if you look at the players they have and the way they they play, I, I think there's an argument to be made maybe top 10. I don't know. Uh, and I'm right now there in sixth place and uh, it, it looks earned. You know, it's, it's not just coincidence and uh, lucky point after lucky point for them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really tough, especially if they uh, play with three sort of central uh, midfielders, um, if, if it's going to be Brömel and, and Becker and, and Griesbeck, uh, like who scored, for example, predicts um, 
then uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a very difficult one because a Union Berlin won't be uh, overly uh, you know far out. I mean they they might press at at some point, but I do expect them to play a bit more like. Uh, I don't want to say Cologne because it's also not right, but I do expect him to sit back a little bit more and then uh, really uh, narrow down the spaces in the uh, uh, transition between the second and final third for Dortmund. So this is sort of where I assume Dortmund will lose most of the balls and then run into trouble. So these are going to be long, uncomfortable 90 minutes. Now, there's obviously always a chance with Dortmund that they... Just uh, have a good day, <laughs> even though they are far and few between these days. But uh, if they do, they can just blow out Berlin. You know, if they score very early and every other chance hits, then yeah, Berlin obviously do not have a chance. But uh, it's rather unlikely. Like I said earlier, the goal in the 12th minute in the Bundesliga was the first goal they scored in uh, the first 30 minutes, uh, if I'm not entirely wrong. Uh, but that's just ridiculous and goes to show how much Dortmund do struggle and uh, I don't know how much uh, of the fighting spirit they will bring um, but yeah it's it's going to be a very difficult one especially uh, since they are playing in a different system now than uh, they did play on the Favre uh, so you know there won't be even fear automatism going for them uh, so I expect Dortmund to be a tired be disjointed and and see out of form so um yeah i i would actually also pick a draw just because uh, i i can't pick them to lose this game but uh, i'm not very positive even with a coaching change in in recent uh, weeks so yeah it is just what it is you know it's 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 struggle season right now for dortmund so uh, if they surprise me positively all the better so matthias uh if you have not much else to say, I think we can just uh, knock it on the heads here and you can predict the game and then I'll predict the same scoreline. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I'm going to stick to a draw uh, and I'm going to make it a two-all draw. Yeah, that would have been my prediction as well. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll make it three-all. Maybe it's going to be one of those crazy ones. I mean, Union Berlin have scored in every match so far. So uh, you, you can sort of bank on that. And uh, yeah, Dortmund's Dortmund's defense will be tested way more than they were against uh, sort of toothless Bremen. So uh, we we've seen what uh, kind of havoc Stuttgart can wreak, and I don't think that uh, you know the quote unquote showing a reaction thing is 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 that much to to take into account really because um, yeah yeah it's just not so. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with a three-hole draw and uh, maybe Mukoku gets one and uh, Reina and then a set-piece goal or something scrappy from Dortmund. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how this one goes. But uh, yeah, thank you anyway for coming on and uh, you know analyzing this uh, first Tessage game with me. Were you excited though, Matthias? Did you have a little bit of butterflies? Oh, absolutely! I was I was really excited about it, and I mean I wasn't disappointed. Uh, it was better than I thought it could have been. And so we'll see. I mean, these are matches that will really early on test him because of who the opponents are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to play against Wolfsburg very soon and uh, RB Leipzig, then Gladbach. 
and obviously Schalke at some point if the club even exists by then who knows um, but <laughs> but uh, no honestly um, interesting though Kicker did report that uh, Dortmund apparently have reached some sort of agreement with uh, Marco Rose but uh, it's not signed sealed and delivered so um, so Edin Terzic is obviously a Dortmund fan and he has been for a long time and I think even though there are no fans in the stands right now, he may find a way to connect with fans in a in a way probably better than uh, all his predecessors, meaning, uh, except for Klopp, obviously, but uh, probably better than Tuchel did, better than Bosch did, better than Stöger did, and obviously better than Favre did, who, uh, you know, was liked around Dortmund, but uh, a lot of fans also just didn't want to see him at the uh, helm because of his uh, preferred playing style. So, um... How hard do you think he's going to make that decision for Watzke and Sorg going forward uh, when he is, uh, you know, super liked at the end of his little stint? It'll come simply down to results and performances. Um, I mean, if if Dortmund goes, you know, finish in the Champions League, which I believe they will. Um, if they do so in a positive fashion rather than backing into it, like under Peter Stöger, and you add to it a young, dynamic head coach who's liked by everyone. I mean, that's kind of that Cinderella story, the local guy. Um, then yeah, it's going to be a very difficult decision for one year because every, it's, everybody knows Marco Rose is the guy they want, right? Well, Marco Rosa theoretically or technically or potentially has a buyout clause. Be that as it may, his his contract also runs out the season after that. So if uh, Terzic does well, Dortmund improve their performances, play really well, get far in the DFB Pokal, qualify for the next round of the Champions League, and qualify for the Champions League in the league in a positive, emphatic fashion. I mean, why make a change at that point? <laughs> Unless Tazic goes, I'm out. I just, this is not something I can do. He's not going to say that because that would be insane. Um, so, yeah, it'll just come down to performance at the end of the day, as it should. Yeah, it's going to be rather interesting. Uh <laughs> <laughs> maybe Dortmund will make a mistake there and will have the sort of uh, Typhoon Korkut effect. Uh, that would be hilarious. Uh, not for me, obviously, but I'm sure someone else would find it funny. Um, yeah, so interesting thing to uh, observe over the coming weeks and uh, at what point uh, maybe a decision will even be made. I don't know. Sometimes it could just be that uh, Dortmund uh, and Rose announce their partnership so that... Uh, also, Gladbach can plan for successor stuff like that. Can something happen quickly in football? We all seen it before, so why not? Um, but Matthias, in the meantime, please tell our listeners how to follow you on Twitter, and then I'll do the rest. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. And uh, please go to theyellow.net to uh, look for post-match reactions from the Bremen game and obviously uh, Dorowski's sets sheet, uh, which I thought was very interesting. For example, you could uh, find stats there that tell you that Dortmund had uh, fewer touches than uh, in, in most games. I think it was the uh, 
third lowest amount of touches they had, but the third most in the uh, opposing penalty area. So uh, interesting things to to read through and ponder about. So uh, check it out. Adam uh, had a couple of rough notes from uh, him going through uh, fbref.com. So uh, yeah, I just asked him whether he could just send it to me and I'll put it on the website and now you can check it out. So please do that. Otherwise, you can follow us at yellowwallpods.com on Twitter and Facebook, and of course, subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and uh, all the all the rest, like SoundCloud, etc. And of course, we shall be back after that Union Berlin match, and hopefully in uh, higher spirits than we are right now, and less skeptical. So until then, as always, thank you for listening, and goodbye.